Well, you know, if you're going to title what I want to talk about, it's called Eat the Scroll and Buy Oil. But, uh, you know, Murray was sharing last week about the kingdom of God, and this is all part of it. But let's look at this, for example, because Matthew 6.33, it talks about seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. You know, my husband, he was a bank manager before he became a pastor. And when he was uh, in, a, in the banking days, he would uh, set the alarm to 6.33 for that verse to spend time with God, to just be in the presence, and now he's up, you know, sometimes even earlier, but you get into the habits, you don't necessarily need the alarm clock. But it's so important to seek first the kingdom. Well, what is the kingdom? I mean, that subject is so vast, so wide. Mark 1, Jesus says that the, uh, the, kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached, so he's preaching it, but then he also demonstrated. So is the kingdom of God something that we, you know, we, we know ethereal or know in our mind, or is, it, or is it something that we experience? And the answer would be, of course, both. Is the kingdom of God here, or is it to come? Both. Is the kingdom of God just of the Spirit, or even is it like the Jews were waiting when Jesus was walking the earth? They were waiting for a king to come and free them from the oppression of the Roman Empire. In other words, they were looking for a political king. So will he, is the kingdom of God political? Like is the kingdom of God one that would actually come and take over? And I would just say, yes, both. Because it says in Revelation 11, it says that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. He's coming to take over. And so it is all these things and more. I mean, this is a phenomenal, incredible subject. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount of the eight Beatitudes, the first one is this, blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. You know, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Does it mean that we're all supposed to take a vow of poverty? I mean, some have through, throughout history and still today. Actually, no, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that at all. Poor in spirit means this, to know that you need God. I know that I'm needy. I stand before you a needy woman. I need God. I need you. I feel the poverty of my own spirit, but to be filled up with his spirit, this is what it really looks like. So the kingdom of God, is it understood and it is understood and it, in the kingdom of God is to be lived. The kingdom of God is head and its heart. It is everything of knowledge and experience, of wisdom and encounter, word and spirit. You know, there was this uh, rare 1947 prophecy by Smith Wigglesworth, if anybody remembers him, an incredible healing evangelist. And he accurately prophesied in 1947 about the healing revival of the 50s, and he prophesied the charismatic revival, which came in the 60s, and church planting, and all these things. But he said this, in the last days, there's going to be a coming together of the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and that is going to lead to the greatest revival the world has ever seen. Word and Spirit, mind and heart, kingdom of God. Absolutely. And so I want to look at this today because this keeps gripping me, this thing about, you know, the word and the spirit. Well, this uh, roaring 20s, you know, we had so many prophecies about this being a roaring 20s again, but it's kind of more, been more like the lockdown 20s. 
And uh, so sometimes it's a little hard to understand. You know, when, um, Bob Jones had prophesied, he died in 2014, but he prophesied that the 2020s was going to be the decade of the rest of God and God's rest in us. Well, that's, you know, thrown into a pandemic. And so climbing the corporate ladder or running the rat race or trying to, you know, busy, 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 kind of everything came to a bit of a screeching halt, at least for some, not necessarily for all. And I think that the Lord has a lot of things that he's wanting to teach us in this season and teach us in this time. And one of them is truly the rest of God, which really has everything to do with the fact that, God, I want to throw myself in you. I want to trust you to fight on my behalf, to trust you with financial provision, to trust you. I want to, you know, there's, there's so many battles that we're waging right now. And one of them, there's a, a number of ones, but just want to say this. I used to be a nurse. I have a Bachelor of Science in Nursing. I did emergency room nursing for a period of time. And I really believe in preventative medicine. And you know what? Preventative medicine means that you do things ahead of time to prevent yourself, of course, from getting sick. And so, you know, stop smoking or, you know, eat right and those sorts of things. And even in this invisible enemy that we have called a coronavirus, do you know that we can actually build our immune system, right? Is that news? You know, it's like take some good vitamins like vitamin C and vitamin D and zinc and a probiotic and all these things gets lots of sleep. That, that's true. We can also do things preventative in the spirit realm to build our spirit. Want to build your immune system. Want to build our spirit. And I would just propose to you that this is a really good time for us to build our spirit. Maybe you're a little less busy. I don't know, but I would encourage us all to say, God, how does my spirit need building? What is yet coming? What, what, what is it that the earth may be groaning even yet more? But I want to build my spirit in the word, in the spirit. I want to build my heart and my head. I want to build what right now, and I want to be able to understand. Because as I see it, there's two real battlefronts raging in this way. And one is the battle for truth. Another one is the battle for the heart. The battle for truth, it says in 1 Thessalonians 2, the word of God is truth. It also says in 2 Thessalonians 2 that it warns of in the last days, many will perish because they did not love what the, they didn't have a love for truth. And Jesus warned that many would be deceived. A love for truth. There's an invitation in this time to delve into the word and the spirit. Truth. What is truth? What is truth? You know, Jesus is ultimate truth. He could stand, uh, when he was standing before Pilate, you know, Pilate said, what is truth? Well, he was staring at truth. But there's something here about this word. I just feel to say, Church of Jesus Christ, it's time that we pick it up again on a new level. It's time that we love it on a new level. This is truth. You can stake your life on it. You know, I, I know what it's like to have like, oh my goodness, God, this is, couldn't you just put like A, B, C, D, E, you know, uh, stories, you know, there's visions, there's, but you know, this is a thing about digging in the word to uncover, uncover the pearl of great price. And uh, so I tell this story sometimes because what happened to me when I was about 19 was I was on this trip to, um, uh, it was Philippines, Hong Kong, and China. And I was with Jackie Pollinger in Hong Kong for a period of time, helped her with the, with the uh, drug addicts, the ministry that she does there. But then we, we took a hovercraft to 
China, to mainland China, where it's completely illegal at that time, and it's now becoming illegal again to have a Bible. And so we were smuggling Bibles across the border, and long story short, we did get through quite a, quite a number of Bibles, and we had to act like tourists, give them away uh, at night, underground, in secret. And something hit me in that trip that I had five or six Bibles at home that were mostly collecting dust as these guys were risking their lives to have a Bible in their hand. And even only one for the whole of their fellowship. And I said, God, I want to be a woman of the word. I want to know what it means to eat the scroll. And that's exactly what the Lord said to Jeremiah, to Ezekiel, to John the Apostle said, eat the scroll. And you know what? For all of them, they said, ah, oh, it felt sweet at first, tasted sweet, but then it was bitter. You know why? Because there's things of, man, this is an amazing story. But there's also an unfolding of things that crush you. <laughs> you read the word and it's like, oh, that it kind of hurts because I'm not exactly living that. That's where it feels like it's sweet, but it's bitter. It's like, you know, my husband says it this way. It's not so much that you read the word as the word reads you. Are we living this? Are we eating the scroll? I think the thing is, is that when I saw these Chinese believers and later traveling to Turkey and saw the, the Iranian believers who would show me pictures of their mother who was taken into the woods and shot for her faith or how they showed scars that they received from Evan prison when they were in prison for being a Christian and how the one man, his wife was taken out and said to him, we're raping her until you tell us the name of all of your contacts in the underground church. And they said, I never knew Jesus was all I needed until he was all I had left. And something has pierced my heart through these years and it's piercing me even more. And I love the song list because he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. And you know, as a nurse, I also came across a lot of people that were dead or dying. Or I was there when they were dying. Used to tell a whole bunch of them about Jesus. <laughs> Figured if I got fired, oh well, it's okay. But at least they'll come into the kingdom. And you know, and you know something? I never saw anybody on their deathbed wishing they had a bigger house or spent more time at the office or had more money or more degrees. But I, do, I did see a lot of regret for broken relationships, for the son or daughter that they had been estranged from that was not visiting them, or the fact that they never knew God. And I just feel like there's some things happening today that says, hey, this is a reset time. This is a reset, reset, reset time to get things straight in our hearts and in our lives as it pertains to, uh, Lord, what am I living for? The heart, what am I living for? You know, as well as the other thing I've noticed when reading even uh, Life After Death Experiences, by the way, to talk about this book is so good, it's called Imagine Heaven, I recommend it. It was a thousand different near-death experiences in a pastor who had uh, wrote at least a hundred of them in that book. And there was two things that people had seen that, that life and come back. And they would say, uh, the big question is, did you learn to love? And here's the next one, an insatiable desire to know that man in white or know the God of creation. It was this incredible desire to know him. 
And I would just say, wow, we don't all have to have near-death experiences to say, I want to know him. I want to know you. I want to know what it means to live by your word and, and know truth because the battle is on for truth right now. It's like, what is, is if we don't know the biblical narrative, we're going to default to the cultural narrative. And we're just going to, you know, buy along with everybody else, what they're thinking and saying. Because guess what? Truth is not politically correct. <laughs> and so, you know, living from a biblical worldview, Jesus warned again, he warned that the love of many would grow cold. He also warned that many would be deceived. Well, the love of many growing cold is, of course, the opposite of the great commandment, which is to love them with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. The one thing that you and I are supposed to do so very importantly. You know what? I, I kind of felt like this season of uh, how our love can grow cold is if we're staring at the black hole of all the problems. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my goodness, they're fast and furious. If we stare at the black hole of riots or, or pandemics or, or whatever, what the problems are, it kind of can suck us into those problems as opposed to staring at the one who is the solution to all problems. And to say, oh, wow, you know, I want my heart to burn even brighter in this time. Maybe I need to get away from social media a bit more. Maybe I need to get away from some of the, the blaring TV, you know, and just say, wow, I just want to get with you, God. I want my spirit to be built, not sucked dry. And so there is, um, you know, the, David said it well in Psalm uh, 27, 4. David said it this way. He said, one thing I ask and one thing I desire, that I may gaze on the beauty of the Lord and there inquire of him that I would dwell in the house of the Lord the days of my life and gaze on his beauty and inquire of him. And that's interesting. That's one of my favorite verses. But do you want to know, if you look at that verse, it's right in the midst of David going through incredible trouble. The verse before is the enemies encamp around me and they gather against me and I'm just surrounded by all these armies. You know, it's like David in the caves of Adullam. And then right after that verse, he says, you know, uh, though, though they may rise up against me. But in the midst of that, I say, but one thing I ask and one thing I desire that I may gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Come on. What about if in all of our trouble, whatever our troubles are, that we just stopped and stared at the one who's beautiful? He's beautiful. He's worthy. He is absolutely consuming. Our God is a consuming fire. And one of the things I believe, and I've been sharing this when I can, is that I feel like what has been uh, released on the earth today, a spirit that's unleashed on the earth today, pretty much in mass, is the spirit of offense. The spirit of offense, whether it's in our families, in, in relationships, uh, or whether it's in people groups, or whether it's nationally, there's just this massive offense. And if you study it a bit, but the, the word offense in the Greek is scandalon, which is the bait stick that was used with some bait on the end to trap animals. So really, in essence, it's a snare. It's a trap. It's trying to suck us in. Come on. And what it does, it steals then from our level of ability to really be in the presence of God or experience great joy or whatever. I mean, it, it's just quite incredible. 
And I'd love to get to the place where it's just like a fence just rolls off like water off a duck's back. Anybody want to come with me on that journey? I think that would be really awesome, wouldn't it? Because that's exactly what, what Jesus, you know, many will be offended. Many's gonna, many are going to be offended in the last days. That's another thing he warned of. But it's like, Lord, I don't want to get sucked into that trap. And so even this morning, I just feel like it'd be a great time for us to examine our hearts and say, Lord, where or how has offense somehow tripped me up? <clears throat> you know, I need to forgive that person, need to, I don't know, walk away. But the, here's one thing. My friend uh, said it this way. She said, offense does not let go of you. You have to let go of it. It's not going to let go of you. You have to let go of it. And one of the ways that I've found that to get free of offense is by praying for somebody that might have offended me. When you start praying for that person, like Jesus said, even praying for your enemies. Because why? We're talking about the word and the spirit. We're talking about the heart and the head this morning. And I want to develop my heart. And one of the things is offense that tries to steal from our hearts. Steal from our hearts burning for him. And loving him. So even as we begin to let go, or pray for the person, you know, there's this biblical narrative again, I believe that what's going on today, and it's like, yeah, sometimes you can't necessarily find an exact, well, sometimes you can find an exact, uh, I was just studying again the book of Daniel. We're doing, a, some of you are on our End Times, uh, Sunday night online End Times course. And the book of Daniel, did you know the book of Daniel, chapter 11 specifically, is the most specific prophecy in the whole Bible? how that chapter prophesied everything from Alexander the Great to, to Cleopatra to Bernice. It, it goes, it's, it's incredible. It doesn't list them, but if you know history. Anyways, why was I saying that? Because the biblical narrative today, there's some things unfolding today. And I want to share with you what I think are five chapters that are highlighted today. And they're all chapter two. One of them is Psalm 2. If you read Psalm 2, it's basically this. They raise their fist at God and say, we don't want God. We don't want, we want to break away his courts from us. We don't really want the ways of the Bible. Has that been happening on the earth? What do you think? And God sits in the heavens and laughs. And then what happens is, you know, we are exhorted, bow down and kiss the sun. Kings of the earth, bow down and kiss the sun. Do you know, I don't know a time in, in at least my life or the recent history where the whole world is standing at attention. The whole world is put on halt, whether it's the economy or sports or uh, industries or whatever, whole world. Bow down, kiss the sun. How long has it been? We don't want God in school. We don't want God in the courtroom. We don't want God in government. We don't want God in whatever. I think it's time that we say, we want God, we want God, we want God, we need God, come back, Holy Spirit. Here's another one, it's Joel 2. And Joel 2 is, uh, talks about the plague of locusts, which by the way is, is happening as well. But the plague of locusts uh, is also followed by a military invasion or talked about the military invasion. But this is what that says, it says, rend your hearts, return to the Lord, Weep between the porch and the altar. In other words, humble yourself before the Lord and cry out. And that's a really good idea. We need you, God. And Lord, it's not just about rebuke the devil. Yes, we want to absolutely rebuke the devil. But God, where have we sinned? Where are you trying to say, make this right, make that right, change your priorities, do a things, few things different here? Because guess what? God's got our attention. Hope he does. And it's like, Lord, we want to humble ourselves 
before you and say it's not okay that we have aborted 62 million babies since 1973 in this country alone. It's not okay. It's not okay. Some of the things that, you know, I just like, Lord, it's not okay, for example, if we've been so busy that we haven't taken a Sabbath rest. It's not okay if we've been, you know, uh, prioritizing self, self, self. That's another thing that was warned of the end times, lovers of self, hedonism. God help us. Here's another one. Haggai 2, specifically verses 6 to 9. Haggai 2, yet once more, God says, I will shake the heavens and the earth that they would what? Come to the desire of all nations. He's talking about his son there. I'm going to shake the heavens. I'm going to shake the earth. And he goes on to say that the glory of the latter house would be greater than the former. You know, John and I, if you don't know anything about us, well, we're Canadians, actually. We love Jesus. Raised on, I was raised on a farm in Canada. But we were privileged to uh, be spiritual kids of John and Carol Arnott who founded the Catch the Fire ministry. And so what happened was when Revival Book broke out in Toronto, we went on staff there really shortly after. 12 years of nightly meetings, except for Monday, of revival meetings. Oh my goodness, that was phenomenal. Like I can just, I mean, we obviously we're raising a family, you can't be there every night, but it was an incredible, incredible season of the glory of the Lord. You could sneeze on somebody and they get filled with the Spirit. This is like, oh, I love this stuff. But guess what? You know what he's saying? The glory of the latter house, what's coming is way better than the former. Anything, Azusa Street, Hebrides Revival, any of that, come on. That's just a dress rehearsal towards what's coming. I believe it with all my heart. And also God says there, the gold is mine and the silver is mine. I think he just wants to erase worry for finances off God's people. I really believe this God of the universe who caused, you know, water to come out of a rock and manna to come out of the sky and quail to come from an east wind. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of me. So yet once more, and that's by the, uh, it's, he, it's repeated in Hebrews 12. And Acts 2 is another two. There were 120 gathered in the upper room praying when the Holy Spirit was poured out, tongues of fire. Peter says, this is that. You know, the outpouring of the Spirit, and, and, and he talks about the Spirit prophecy. I believe that we, yet much more, there's near fulfillments, far fulfillments. Yes, there was a partial fulfillment in that day on Pentecost. There is more to come of the Spirit of prophecy, of the Holy Spirit outpouring, of praying like they did in the upper room, saying, Holy Spirit, take over this planet, that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Do it again. And another two, Revelation 2. A chapter opens with a message to the church of Ephesus. And you know what? It says they worked hard. Yeah, I know you're laboring. It says a few times, you're labored. Yeah, you labored. You labored. How many of us have been laboring? I know I have, you know, work, 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 work before a pandemic hit. And it's just like, I know you're labor, but it's, he said this, yeah, I got one problem with you. You've left your first love. You've left your first love. I think he's saying to the church of America, Come back to your first love. Come back to the burning heart. You can work hard and do all kinds of great, awesome, supersonic things, but if you've left your first love, you've left the most important thing. And this is a really good season to say, God, let my fire burn. 
God reawaken the, the passion that was once there. Or even not just awaken it, but let it be way more than it ever used to be. I want to come back to my first love. You know the thing about Mary, the sister of Martha? We all know her as, oh yeah, Mary sat at Jesus' feet. That's awesome. That's so nice. It's great. But you know what it also says about Mary? Check this out. Luke 10, 39. Mary, who sat also at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Have you ever thought about that? Mary wasn't just one that passionately loved Jesus. She did, but she loved his word. She loved his word. She sat at his feet to drink of his word. And what did Martha say? Hey, come on, get this girl to work. Come on. And Jesus said this, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Come on, have we been distracted? Have we been busy? Have we been troubled, worried about many things? I believe that there's a reset to come back to the word and the spirit. To know him, to know his word, and to be ones that burn really, really burn for him. So I think there's the kindness of God. He all turns all things out for good, by the way. And maybe some of you, you know, there's businesses that are struggling and, and, and I, I totally uh, want to pray. We want to pray. I just feel, I really, really do that the Lord is going to turn some things around for you, even if it's been some financial loss. Do you know the uh, oil I said about eat the scroll, what it said to John, what he you know, said to Ezekiel and Jeremiah was eat the word, devour the word. Buy oil, that's Matthew 25, you know, the parable of the five wise, five foolish virgins. And basically the wise ones were the ones that had oil and then they took their lamps. The foolish were, they took their lamps, and then they had oil, but not enough. And then it was time, go buy oil, but it was too late. You know the story, the door was shut. They were trying to get in. He said, I don't know you, I don't know you. Do you know, I get a lot of emails from different people, different places, and this one gal just said recently, I think it was this week, she said, you know, how do I, you know, I don't want to make sure I'm going to heaven. And I said, well, you know what? If you have, like the Romans wrote, you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, and you've believed in your heart, and you want him, you're, you're going to heaven. But now press in to know him. And by the way, in Israel, you see it very clearly. How do they come up with this phenomenal olive oil or oil? The olives are crushed. That's how you buy oil. You get crushed. You go through these wilderness seasons like Song of Solomon 8. Who has this come from the wilderness? Leaning on her beloved. If we ever raised a kid by just giving them everything we, you, they want. Do you want to know something? That's like the worst kind of parenting. Because they haven't learned to, you know, go through stuff, know the value of a dollar or, or be able to, you know what I'm saying by that? It's like boundaries. And I feel like the Lord is saying, come on, some of my people have been crushed in the season, but I am causing them to come out buying oil, full of oil, full of oil. That when the shout goes out and the bridegroom is here, we're ready. Full of fire to keep the lamps burning. Full of oil saying, ah, it was worth it all. It was worth it all. 
It was worth it all to pursue you, to know you, to want you, to go after you, to spend time morning by morning. Set your clock if you want to for Matthew 6, for 6.33. To seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 has been coming to me a lot, just weighing it. I literally for the last year, maybe year and a half, you know it, it's, it's a famous verse. Verses, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Because I think there's some that don't know what you're supposed to do. Maybe you can have the keyboard guy come back up. Or where, you know, what direction to take. I just, somebody just sent me an email this morning from Canada to list all the stores in Canada that are closing. Quite a number of them. So some, you know, but I just want to say this. I, I believe this verse. And, I, and you look at it. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him. I looked up the word acknowledge. It means yada in Hebrew, which means to intimately know or to be in connection in a very vibrant way, like a real intimate way. In all your ways, acknowledge Yada, come before him and he will direct your path. And I've had this. I, anybody else have this? What am I doing with my life? Where's my life going? What, what am I doing with this life? It's like, ah, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You might not be seeing it all yet. You might not get it yet. In all your ways, acknowledge yada. I'm just here to meet with you again this morning, Lord. You know what? I'm not even predominantly asking you to bless this, this, and this. I just want to be with you. I want to know you. I want to know your word. I want to eat the scroll. I want to buy oil. Oh, man. And then he directs your path. He takes care of everything else. Can we all stand this morning? I, uh, I really had a strong sense this morning that there's people just going through the crushing. The olives are being squeezed. Doesn't necessarily feel good, doesn't necessarily, your thought hasn't been thinking necessarily of oil coming out yet. But I, I just see the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the direction of the Holy Spirit flowing in this time of crushing. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here. And I know this may seem odd, but I had a dream last night about somebody named Lisa. Is there a Lisa in the room? Is your first name Lisa? Come over here. Is there anybody else? If there's more than one, just come here. I, maybe online, and if the online people could just pray for the person online. But I just I want to pray for you. Can you? Just, and I just felt like, uh, you know, I know I know it's, you know, social distancing and all that. But we got a lot of space up here. So those of you that want prayer, that you're going through the crushing, could you come forward right now? We're going to pray for you going to believe that God is going to turn all things out for good. And the people that pray, could you just grab your mask and you know how it goes, right? You know the drill. Get your mask and thanks. 
in the crushing, in the pressing. You're making new wine. And I love the fact that they sang the alabaster jar song this morning. Do you know that Mary was one that the Bible says that she poured out the alabaster jar? It's like a year's worth of wages. There was another one. It was the woman who had a lot of sin. She's nameless in the Bible. She was in, Jesus was in the Pharisee's house. And they said, oh, if he knew who she was, they wouldn't, she would, he wouldn't let her pour that oil. She was the woman who had committed a lot of sin. And Jesus said, hey, Pharisee guys, since I came in here, you never washed my feet. She's not stopped weeping over my feet. What she has done will be spoken of her in the generations to come. You know what? It is about our radical love. And I don't know who here needs to be forgiven of a weight of sin. Whoever's forgiven much loves much. Your best days are ahead of you. Your best is yet to come. Forgive yourself for what you've done or years of stupid or whatever it is. Just it's time this morning to leave it at the cross. I'm dumping that weight on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. But right now, Holy Spirit, come and any of the ministry or whoever prays for people in this church, come forward. Father, we thank you, Lord, that in the crushing, in the pressing, Lord, you are making something beautiful. The oil that fills the flasks, that prepares us for what's coming, to meet you face to face for some day whether we go to you or you come in that sky. But Jesus, will you come and raise the passion level this morning? Will you raise the level, oh God, of our hunger for you? Our hunger for you. Our thirst for the living God. Our hunger for your word. I wanna eat the scroll. I want to eat the scroll, even where it convicts me, even where it cuts me, even where I'm like, oh, I'm not quite living that, God, but come on, bring it on, Lord. Bring it on. Circumcise my heart. Change me. Transform me. God, come. In the crushing, in the pressing, you're doing something beautiful. I don't always get it. I don't understand it. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Acknowledge Him. I'm going to meet with you again today. I'm going to come before you again. Direct my path. Direct my path. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Pour out your glory. Just before we transition, let's just have the just the place of the presence, the place of the presence. Okay. Father, let your fire fall, let your glory come. Pour out, 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 pour out. Jesus. I just, just open, like, it's like open your spiritual eyes. I see visions. I see the Lord coming with encounters. I see the Lord whispering, just listen. Listen, maybe it's one word, three words, a few sentences. God's speaking. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Pour out. 
You know, one time when I was telling God it wasn't such a great idea that I just got pregnant when I still had a, well, John and I got married and got pregnant right away and I still had a year of university left and I was, I had gone back to university and I, I was suspecting I was pregnant. It wasn't, I wasn't sure. And I just said, God, I don't know about this. I, got, I still got a year. Da, 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 da. And then I said this, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And the peace of God hit me. And I knew that I knew that I was pregnant. Our son is 29 years old. He's a phenomenal young man. And you know, I learned something. God didn't promise us a rose garden. He promised us the garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, your will be done. I know Rochelle gave a, an invitation earlier for salvation, but I know that there's people listening and there's people here. It's time to really, really seriously pray that, say that, God, I need a savior. Not my will. I've lived by my will so long. I surrender. I really, really surrender. Show me your ways. You know, this week in Virginia Beach, just we're walking the boardwalk. The Lord said, talk to that young man. And that young man radically got saved this week. I just want to say the fields are white unto harvest. Come, Holy Spirit. Move in the hearts and the lives of everyone here. In Jesus' name.